I guess I should push go. Um, but I promise you a couple things. One, this will be the shortest message you've heard me preach this year. This will also be the longest message you have heard me preach this year. And this will be the best and worst message you've heard me preach this year. Well, how's everybody doing? Everybody have a good new year. Uh, I got to remember what my passcode is. I, 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 hey, a couple things before we get started. One, this Wednesday, our Wednesday night kicks back off. Uh, Pastor Casey uh, will be kind of finishing up a, a series he started at the end of last year. Uh, also, tomorrow or tonight at midnight, actually, we start our 10 days, our corporate 10 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, man, I encourage you to get involved with that. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, we'll, we'll kick it off. Uh, it starts in, uh, tonight at midnight or whatever, how you want to call it. But tomorrow night, Monday night at 6 p.m. Man, I'd like everybody that can join me for a time of prayer. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, it'll be from six to seven. We'll have some worship and some time of prayer, just trying to focus in on 2022. So I hope you join me for that. Um, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter four. If you got a Bible, want to go ahead and get there. If you don't, uh, no worries. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Um, but I, I want to talk about kicking off this brand new year. How many, Casey's already said this, but let me, how many is excited for a brand new year? Anybody make resolutions? Come on, come on, be honest. Hey, you know what, you know what a New Year uh, resolution is? It goes in one year and out the other. Come on, now. That, uh, y'all didn't think I was going to start off. A, I'm going to start off the year with a joke, bad or good. Uh, Chris Lyons said, he said, because well, we were talking about I said, you know what me and Denise did on, Chris, on New Year's Eve? I said, we did absolutely nothing, and it felt so good. You see, when I was younger, I used to ask permission, say, can I go out on New Year's Eve? Now I ask, do I get to stay in on New Year's Eve? Uh, but Chris said, he said, I didn't even step to watch the ball drop because I didn't want it to remind me of, of last year, what I did last year. Watch the ball drop or drop the ball? I mean, anyway, it's too deep for him, Chris. I, I was with you, Beth. Um, but most people... Going to a new year, wanting something different. Can we agree on that? In, in some area, we, want, we go into this new year, we want something different or to be different than the previous year. And we make resolutions to either not do something anymore or to start something new, whether it's our health, whether it's a relationship uh, with our spouse, kids, uh, whether it's an addiction, a relationship with God, a bad habit. But we go wanting something new. Why do we do that? Why, why do we have the attitude of new year, new me? This year is going to be different. Because all of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, all of us seem to know deep down inside that things are not right as they should be. We all know deep down that things need to be different. There's some things that need to be changed. We're not living and nowhere near to where we could be living. And we know that. We, know, we, we all know. And I believe whether we verbalize it or not, we acknowledge that there's this gap between who we are and who we want to be. There's a gap there. Where, where I think we, we uh, defer is how do we bridge that gap? 
Because you've got people to tell you different ways of how to bridge that gap. Every year I ask God, hey, God, give me one word for, for the new year. One word that I can center my attention on. And I actually went, went, and I put a lot of pressure on the staff because I told them, hey, guys, I want you to give me one word. I want you to pray about it. What one word is God, uh, God speaking to you. And then when I give you my word, you'll know whether you heard from God or not. Uh, no, <laughs> and, and I think I put more pressure because I was joking, but some of them took me actually serious. But I'm going to tell you the one word that I feel like God, I, I, don't, I know God spoke to me personally, but I also feel like he spoke it to this body. It's healthy. Healthy. Kelly, I want you, I want the people of Watts Bar Church to be healthier relationally, physically, financially, emotionally, and spiritually. That's the word. That's where we're going to focus on. I, I want you to be healthy. I, 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 don't want food. I don't want food to be your master. Are you hearing me? You know, because, you know, followers, Christian, man, we are really good at pointing out everything else, everybody else is doing while we're getting that third plate at the buffet. Am I being too real right now? But I, a little bit, thank you for your honesty. I don't want food to be my master this year. Are you hearing me? I don't want it telling me what to do. Uh, financially, I, want, uh, I feel like I want some people to be healthier financially. I don't want toys, hobbies to be your master. In fact, I feel like I said, I want you to trust me with your money more than you trust yourself with your money. I feel like God, I feel like he wants us to be healthier relationally. I feel like I, he wants our marriages to be healthy. Relationship with our kids, friends, that inner circle that we have. Healthy, healthy dreams. I believe he wants us to have healthy dreams. Healthy dreams, healthy aspirations, spiritually. I, I believe he wants this to be the year that we pursue him more than we've ever pursued him in our entire life. Spiritually. That's our word for 2022 is healthy, healthy. So let's start off this with a series of questions today. Um, let's say someone comes into to Wasabar Community Church. Uh, they, they don't know God. They, they don't know him. You know, they come into this service. They like it. So they start showing up more and more. Uh, at some point, they make a decision to surrender their life to Christ. Uh, this person becomes a follower of Jesus. They begin to pursue God with determination. They're passionate about this new life. Let's say this person, they jump in, man, and, and, and they begin to serve here. They've been here for five years. Here's the question. What do we expect them to look like as a follower of Jesus? Here, here's what I mean. What do we think, what do we expect to happen in their life once they make a decision to surrender? What, what do we believe this person sold out to following Jesus? What should they look like? What do we think that was someone who was dead in their sin, but now has come in the, alive in Jesus? What does that look like? Here's why I ask that question. I believe that most churches, including us, never really provide a clear picture of what that looks like. Are you following me? I'm going to be very honest. I'm not going to throw it all on other churches. I believe even us, we've not given a clear picture. This is what a walk with Christ looks like. We have assumptions, right? And you know what happens when you assume, right? 
I got a little thing up here I want to show you. That No, I'm not going to do that. My wife is, please, God, no. Don't, don't let him do that illustration. I mean, we have assumptions. If you grew up in church like I did, uh, you know we definitely made some assumptions about what that person should look like. Come on. The, the moment you decided to follow Jesus, you didn't drink, smoke, or chew, or date girls that do. And if you're from the north, we got girls that chew. Some of them may be sitting right beside you right now. No, so, yeah, I mean, let's see. Here's why you, you didn't go to school dances. Come on, how many grew up with that? You didn't go to school dances? I mean, you didn't go bowling. You didn't go to movies. The first movie I saw, I think I was 15 years old, and, and, and the re- maybe not even that old, uh, but I went down to my Uncle John's, who, who lived down in Macon, Georgia, and, and John was not a uh, uh, follower of Jesus. <laughs> so, so he took us to the movie, and I was like, man, this is awesome. But you know what? I automatically thought, I hope Mom and Dad don't find out about this. And they did. We believed uh, that girls should not wear makeup. They should not wear jewelry except a wedding ring. You know, if you were a girl, you did cut your hair, or you did not cut your hair. But if you were a guy, you did cut your hair. You know, when I think about the church I was raised in, most of what we expected a person to look like involved the outside. Not the inside. What you should or shouldn't do. I mean, when, in the church I grew up, you could have hung one, uh, uh, one pitch on the wall with one word that would have answered all my questions. Can I? No. No. That's what I would have said, no. Whatever you're asking, if it's fun, no. And, and that's, uh, thank God my parents were a little different at that time, uh, but, but we focus more on the don'ts, and rarely ever did we ever talk about the do's, the things you should do as a follower of Jesus. If that person looked right on the outside, we'd look at them and think, boy, they're really growing spiritually. Come on. Because we expected the outside to be different. But there are a lot of things that, thank you, Ben, a lot of things that couldn't be seen that we didn't really expect, like... Uh, we didn't really expect people to put resentment away. We didn't really expect uh, those that had a, had a problem with others in the church to walk in forgiveness and actually talk it out. Oh, man, it's going to get deep. We didn't expect people to forgive uh, others, especially if they'd done you wrong. We didn't expect negative people to get positive. We didn't expect self-righteous and judgmental people to become kind, compassionate, and humble. That's just the way they were. But as long as they looked right on the outside, oh, they're growing. They're growing in Christ. And here's the sad reality. We didn't really expect people to completely change and what the Bible says become brand new. Not because we didn't believe in the power of grace, We just put too much emphasis on what someone looked like on the outside. And I don't think we really believe that the gospel could change them on the inside. See, over the past few years, we've had this grace movement. And let me say this. I am a big proponent of grace. I am a grace addict. 
I need grace. But we got to this place in church, hey, don't talk about holiness. Don't talk about purity. We're, we're, we're all about grace. You know I'm all about that grace. Anyway, uh, but that, that, that's... <laughs> But here's the thing about grace. A complete understanding of grace knows that, that grace isn't just about having your sins forgiveness or your sins forgiven. Grace is about God not leaving you where he found you. That's grace. Here's what the apostle Paul said uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace. Say that. God is able to make what? abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The passion paraphrases it like this. God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. Here's what Paul is saying. You abound not because you try really, really hard. Are you hearing me? There's only one reason you abound. Grace. Grace, you abound because of grace. Why? Because Paul knows this. If you're taking notes, this is in your fill-in. It's this grace changes people. Here's what I mean. You cannot experience real grace and nothing change inside of you. You cannot experience real grace and keep on sinning without conviction coming into play. You cannot experience real grace and stay the same. Grace changes people. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, he said this, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Phil, bring it up. Some people think that when they come into a personal relationship with Jesus, that Jesus comes into their life just to do some modest home improvement, a little exterior addition. But what blows most people away is that when Jesus comes in, he starts tearing down walls. He begins taking off the roof. He begins expanding the premises because his intent is not to just add on a room, but to build a castle in which the king himself can come and live. That's what his intention is. Not just some modification. What C.S. Lewis said, hey, hey, when you experience grace, it changes you. It changes you. Ephesians 4, Paul is talking to a group of people. Uh, uh, they have become believers and followers of Jesus. And, and I'm going to read this from uh, a couple of different translations, if that's okay. Uh, this is so rich. Ephesians 4, starting at chapter, uh, uh, verse 17. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, Paul says, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. Verse 21. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And then he says this 
22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24, put on your new nature, for God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. If you really want 2022 not to be a year where it's, hey, new year, same you, but a new year, new you, I'm going to give you four things. First things you've got to do is make a decision. Make a decision. There are two verses in the passage, the passages we just read that I think really nail what we've got to do to start off this new year right. And, and I'm talking about people that, have, that are followers of Jesus, have been there a while, and people that this is all new to. And verses 22 and 24, verse 22, Paul says, throw off your old sinful nature. Throw off your old sinful nature. And your former way of life. Two verses later, he says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts or put on your new nature. Put on. Throw off the old, put on the new. Throw off the old, put on the new. Have you ever talked with someone and, and, and that, that you're, they're trying to help them with something they're doing or an action and, and have gotten this response or maybe you've had this response yourself? It's just the way I am. I, all my family's like this. It's just who I am. It's in my nature. Well, Paul's not denying that in this scripture. He's not saying that it's made. Well, but what he is saying is, listen, quit making excuses for it and throw it off and put on the new. Quit talking about that's the way you've always been. Mom and daddy were like this. It runs in the family. And throw it off and put on the new. Come on now. Look at your neighbor and say, throw it off. Put on the new. The, the, what's interesting when this verb throw off, it literally means, the verb that Paul used here literally means strip off. Strip off. Uh, you ever been caught in the rain and you get soaking wet and you cannot wait to get home? And the moment, I mean, you don't even have to be in the front door. You're stripping off clothes left and right because you want to get all that off of you and some warm clothes on you. You ever done that? That's what he's talking about. Strip it off, throw it off, and it gets even better because the verbs that Paul used in the Greek are what's known. And I'm gonna, uh, I'm probably gonna uh, uh, butcher this. Aorist, aorist tense. Here's what the uh, what a study said about the aorist tense when he uses that. The aorist tense is the Greek grammarian's term for a simple past tense. Unlike other past tenses, imperfect and perfect, the aorist simply states the fact that an action has happened. In, in other words, it refers to a single past finished action that's take, that takes place the moment you say Jesus. Paul is saying, listen, listen, what I need you to do, don't forget that that moment you threw off your old and put on your new, it's still there. That was one that you stripped it off, throw it off of you, get rid of it. You see, if you really want, to be, want this year to be different, it will require deliberate, conscious, and determined decisions. That's what it requires. You have to get to the point in your life where you look back on the way you've been living or the life that you've had and, and the results of those decisions you've made, and you have to be honest and say, I don't want that anymore. 
I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of feeling this way. I want Jesus. I need Jesus. I want the life that he offers to me. That's who I want to become. You have to get to the point where you say, I'm making a decision. This is what I want. A lot of you are familiar uh, because uh, we have... We, we host AA here, and then we've got our Celebrate Recovery. But a lot of you, are, you're familiar with 12-step programs, right? How many of you, you know them? Uh, man, now, when, when a person who is an avowed addict, they know it. They know, man, I, I, I can't stop drinking. I can't stop doing drugs. I can't stop looking at porn. I can't stop eating like this. I, I, I can't do that. When they walk into a step program, let me ask you, if you're familiar with them, what step reads like this? The key to recovery is try really, really hard to stop drinking. Try really, really hard to stop doing drugs. None. None of them do that. Why? Because they've tried really, really hard. I'm telling you, I've worked with that. My brother, they don't want to be that way. They've tried and tried and tried. That's why there's none in the 12 steps. Let me give you the first three steps that they tell you. Pull this one up. We admitted we were powerless and that our lives had become unmanageable. In other words, hey... I'm going to own it. Here's the truth about me. I'm tired of hiding it. I'm tired of thinking I control it. The truth is I am powerless when it comes to this thing. I cannot begin to tell you the number of people that I've counseled, Denise and I have counseled, that cannot bring themselves to admit that. I've got it under control. I can stop anytime I want to. It doesn't control me. And what... They don't understand what some of you don't understand is how freeing it is when you finally say, I am powerless. It's freeing. Step two is this. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now, they'll just say higher power, but we know what that power is. There are those in this room, there are those watching online right now, you know what it means to be completely powerless against something, but then a higher power, the higher power, rises up within you and sets you free. Step three, and this is where we are in this message, we make a decision to turn our will, our lives, over to the care of God. Let me ask some of those watching online, some of you here today. Have you done that? Made a conscious will, say, or made a conscious decision. I turn my will, my life over to your care. Oh, God, I, I, I make a personal decision. Listen, I'm not talking about a prayer you prayed when you were a little boy, when you were a little kid. I'm not com- talking about you being confirmed, sprinkled when you were little. I'm talking about when did you come to the revelation in your own life? I am powerless. I cannot do this on my own. And you said, God, I surrender my will and my life to you. When did you do that? Because some of you, that's step one for you. You need to do that. And if you'll come to Jesus and be honest, say, you know what? I am powerless against this, God. I've been trying and trying and trying, and I always fail. If you will get to that place, you are halfway there. But I'm going to be real with you. 
It's not just, I, now I have seen this, God has seen this, some have seen people, bam, delivered instantly. But most people that I know, it's not been that way. They've had to walk through it. They've had to work toward it. But you know what helps them more than anything? Putting them in an environment of people that wants them to get better. Throw off the old, put on the new. Let's go. I've got a lot to say today. It's my first. It's, I haven't preached since last year. And the jokes just keep coming. It keep coming. Look at verse 17 of Ephesians 4. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. The New Living uh, uh, Testament says it like this. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no, no longer live as Gentiles do. Do you know who Paul's teaching to right here? Gentiles. And he says, no longer live as Gentiles do. Why? Because Paul knows this. It's so easy for us to allow our culture to be able to start forming us and telling us what's right, telling us what's wrong, telling us what's okay. And he's saying, listen, do not allow culture to define who you are. Don't, don't, don't let it. Don't do that. Don't allow this culture that either you grew up in or that's the one that, don't let it make you delusional. And then he says this, this is so interesting to me because it's written a couple thousand years ago, but so relevant right now. Verse 18, he says this about them because their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Then look at verse 19. They have no sense of shame. They surrender their lives to lewdness. And purity and sexual obsession. Is that not a picture of our culture today? And when you talk to them about it, well, we're free. We're free. We're, just, we're, we're free to be whoever we want to be. That's why I'm just living out my freedom. Most people think that they're free because they're doing ever, whatever they want but they don't realize they're in bondage to whatever it is they're doing. And until you get to a place to say, I'm not free. I need Jesus. I'm telling you, it'll be new year, but the same you. You've got to get there. Secondly, second thing, you've got to make, first, you've got to make a decision. Second, you've got to allow God to transform you from the inside out. Paul said, throw off the old Put on the new. The Greek word here for throw off, put on Jesus. Uh, the one he used here is either, it's like putting on a coat or clothes or clothing. The writers in, in this era, they would have understand that phrase throw off or put on to talk, when it talks about behaviors. Like a throw off hate, put on love. Throw off laziness, put on diligence. But no one in the first century understood when Jesus said, when Paul said, throw off your old nature, put on the new. This was, this was a new idea to them. But why? Because Paul knew the hope of the gospel is not that Jesus came to, to give us a makeover or a remodel job. 
or improve on what's already there. The hope of the gospel is this. Jesus came to completely make us whole and new from the inside out. That is the hope of the gospel. And he, he, here's what I find interesting about this passage of Scripture. When on down in the Scripture, once you get past this, Paul starts uh, telling other things what you should throw off and put on. He, he starts saying, hey, throw off behaviors like falsehood, lying, speaking truthfully, uh, speak, uh, speaking untruthfully. He says, don't sin by letting your anger control you. Work hard. Stop stealing. Don't use bad language. Get rid of rage, bitterness, anger, slander. Here's what's interesting to me. Paul doesn't give us that list up front. This is later on. Why? Because he knows change doesn't come with behavior modification. Change begins with inward transformation. And him changing you from the inside out. That's why I tell people, man, absolutely come here just like you are. And my dad used to say this uh, all the time. He said, God, didn't, God called me to catch fish, not clean them. Holy Spirit will clean them. Holy Spirit will do the work on the inside. But we've been so busy trying to clean them that half the world now thinks the church is a bunch of self-righteous hypocrites. Now listen, that, that, that wasn't even matter. That's free. <laughs> Change begins when we throw off the old nature, that old self, and put on the new. What we really need to grasp is the reality of 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this. Paul said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What he's saying is Jesus, sinless Jesus, took our, our sin, our sin, so that we could take off, throw off our brokenness, take off, throw off our sin, our addictions, our, our mess, and put on his robe of righteousness. That's what he's saying. He, he did it so we could throw off this mess of ours and put on his righteousness. That's not all. Let's jump back uh, to verse 17 in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. And the old has gone. Why? The new. What? In other words, get this. Because you've said, Jesus, I surrender to you. God no longer views you through the lens of your sin. Because you've got on a robe of righteousness that Jesus has given. So now when he sees you, he can't see all that. He sees you as he sees his son, Jesus. And that's how he responds to you. Man, that's good news right there. So how does he change us from the inside out? We're going to do, hit this really quick. First thing he does, he gives us new motivation. Here's what I mean. Before we surrendered our life to Christ, our motivation came down to basically two things. Fear and pride. Fear of the consequences of what we're doing. I don't want to do them. I'm afraid I'll get caught. Say pride. I don't want to be like those people. And then we start naming names. Come on. Pride. But when Christ comes in, our motivation changes. Our, our motivation no longer flows out of fear and pride. Our motivation begins to flow out of gratitude of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that flows from the worship and the love of someone who loved us right where we were. 
Changes our motivation. The second thing, how he changes inside out. He gives us a new identity. What forms or what gives you your identity? What tells you who you are? Is it what you do for a living? Is it your current relationship? Is it your spouse? I've seen people that, that they cannot be single for any time at all. They go from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship. Why? Because they're getting their identity in that other person. What gives you your identity? Is it your career, the car you drive, clothes you wear, the followers you have on, on, on a Facebook? Here's the thing. If your identity gets formed by anything or anyone other than God, failure will devastate you. But if you begin to understand who Jesus is, what he's done for you, when you begin to understand how much he loves you unconditionally, then nothing that happens to you can shake your identity. You know who you are in Christ. I'm telling you guys, this gospel, this walk with Christ, it's not for the morally perfect. Are you hearing me? It's for people like you and me who have blown it and at times still do blow it. But we are not defined by our failures. We are defined by who God says we are. God, uh, uh, author Neil Anderson said this. Uh, he said, the most important we believe, belief we possess is true knowledge of who God is. Get this. The second most important belief is who we are as children of God. Because we cannot consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with the way we perceive ourselves. We've got to understand who we are as children of God because we cannot consistently act in a way when we know we're children of God. When we start acting in certain ways, it says, man, that's not who you are. We cannot. How you see yourself matters. How, how does God see you? Man, you are loved. You are completely accepted. You have been clothed with the righteousness of God. You are a child of God. You've been chosen by God. You've been redeemed by God. You're a new creation. You are free from all condemnation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are deeply significant. You are the workmanship, the handiwork of God. You can approach God boldly. You are a king's kid. That's who you are. And how he changes us from the inside out, thirdly, is this. He gives us a new framework for making decisions. Here's what I mean. What, what are you basing what's right and wrong on? Culture? Friends? Social media? TV? Or how you were raised? See, when you surrender your life to Jesus, the Word of God becomes the framework for your decisions. And then what's right and wrong? It's no longer, it's no longer, well, well, this is what I think. Well, this is, you know, this, 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 this is how I think it should be. It's no longer as long as no one's getting hurt. It shifts from that to what does God's word say about this? What does his word say about it? And I know Denise and I, we have been told uh, last year, because when someone asks us there what, what, what we thought the Bible said, we share with them straight what the Bible says, that we were archaic in that belief. But the Word of God never changes. Are you hearing me? 
And if that, that listen, that's what I, but what we're, we're in a culture now that wants to twist the word of God to make it what they're doing be okay. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll save that for another. We make a decision. We allow God to transform us from the inside thirdly. And I'm going to fly through these last. Renew your mind. Now, there's a band that I uh, used to love called Sister Hazel. I don't know if any of you heard them. Uh, I love those guys. Uh, They sang a song, Change Your Mind. Here was the chorus. If you want to be somebody else, if you're tired of fighting battles with yourself, if you want to be somebody else, change your mind. That sounds great. But easier said than done. Come on. It's easier said than done. I'm I'm going to have to do some things to change my mind, for my mind to be renewed. Paul Paul said this in Romans, and and I believe this is where the renewing starts, Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? Oh, that's so weak. How's he going to change you? Why? Changing the way you think. You've got to change some things. If I get up here and tell you, hey, guys, in eight weeks, I'm going to be 20 pounds lighter. Then I leave here. And I still stock up on Swiss rolls. I still eat whatever. That's the first amen I got out of whoever said preach. No, no, I'm joking. Uh, But I still do those things. Eight weeks. Is anything going to change in me except I may be a little heavier? Nothing. I've got to change what's going on inside of me, and I've got to start making some efforts with exercise. I've got to do something different. And he's, Paul says, don't copy the ways, the custom of the world. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. You want to be closer to God in 2022? You want to have a better relationship with Jesus this year? Something has got to change then. We have to allow God to change the way we think. And that starts with us stop copying the behaviors and customs of this world. That stops with us stopping, uh, uh, quit allowing culture to shape the way we think. Uh, Anybody heard of St. Augustine? Before he was a saint, he was a known sex addict. He lived a very promiscuous life before he came to Jesus. A couple years after his conversion and change, he was in a city that he had been to several times and on several occasions had hooked up with women in that city. One of the women that he hooked up with before came recognizing, came running to him, began to flirt with him, but this time he was very polite to her. He was very nice. He was kind. But whereas in the past he would have welcomed her advances and came back with some of his own, he did not do that this time. The woman, they said the woman was very confused. Why didn't he grab me? Why didn't he, why doesn't he want me? What's wrong? And so she had not idea. She, she called him and said, but Augustine, it is I. Augustine turned around and said, I know, but it is not I. What Augustine was saying, grace changed me. I know you know me as the person I used to be, but that is not I anymore. That's not me anymore. Let's close with this. If I can get Bob or Bubba to come up. The fourth thing, you, you want it to be different? 
Stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. I tell you, there's more to being a Christian or follow, follower of Jesus than just knowing some facts about him. Are you hear me? I, 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 there's more to being a Christian or follower of Jesus than praying a one-time prayer. There's more to it than you just calling yourself a Christian. You must know him. Look what Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Do what? Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's stop right there. Where's that backpack, Ben? Grab that backpack for me. When it says throw off, throw off everything that hinders and the sin, that tells me things that hinders is different than sin. I mean, he's making a distinction of it. You, you, you got it for me back there, Ben? Just bring the backpack for now. Yeah, just bring the backpack. We'll, and we'll get those here in a minute. I'll tell you what, just give me the backpack and then I'll, uh, I'm trying to see who I can get. There we go. Oh, let's see. My Peter Zoe. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. Go ahead and put on this backpack. Yeah, let me help you here. Let me help you here. You did sign that waiver, right? This is how we start our journey in life. We've got some stuff. We, we've got some stuff. Bring, bring me a, f- a couple five-pound. Yeah. I mean, we've got some stuff, but it's stuff we need, some things we need. So, you know, we're, it, it, yeah, it's a little heavy, but it, it's manageable, right? It's manageable, right? But then life hits us. It says, throw off everything that hinders. The passion paraphrase it like this. says, let go of every wound that has pierced us. ESV says, lay aside every weight. Philip says, strip off everything that hinders. Weight in the Greek is arkos. It means whatever is prominent, a burden, a weight, whatever is encumbrance. See, there are some things that aren't necessarily bad but they're bad for you. Are you hearing me? Uh, bring, bring me out some more weight there. Some of you, man, you're good. It's just a little weight, a little social media weight. Because you scroll and scroll the more you scroll, the angrier you get, the madder you get, the more you feel like I've got to give my opinion about this. That's all somebody says, hey, you don't have to go to every argument you're invited to. But some of y'all just can't help yourself. And so you add weight. Hmm. You all right? You good? You good? 
There's some people in some of y'all's life that are not necessarily bad people, but they're bad for you. Yeah, let's bring them. Let's add a light one first. How many, how, do we, is this one of this we got? Yeah. Okay, we'll say this one. We had relationships that we don't necessarily need to be in. It's not necessarily they're bad, but you can't date them right now. They're not good for you. You can't go to that party right now. You can't hang out with those people because they're weight and they're hindering you from becoming who God wants you to be. Macy, I'm glad to see you threw some weights out of your backpack so you can become who God wants you to be. Some of it's, oh, I'm glad we saved this. Some of you are being hindered by religion. Oh, man. Ooh, let's get this in here. Hey, uh, go run down. <laughs> run, run to the back of the church in front and come back up. Come on, run. Come on, get your good run going on. Get you, come on, get your good run going on. Come on now, you can do it. You can do it. All right, come on back, come on back. You know what's sad is while that's funny, this is what a lot of our Christian walk looks like. And if we could just start getting rid of some of those things and putting them where they, there, there are ways that hinder us, there are ways that keep us from becoming who God wants us to be and just get rid of those things. Man, it makes life so much simpler. Thank you. It makes life so much simpler. And I said religion. I didn't even have religion till Elise read me a post. That's why I don't scroll Facebook because I think I'm going to have to let this weight go. She said, hey, I want to read you something. Somebody posted on one of the things. Hey, what's a great church in this area for you to attend? And man, we had our people blew the blew it up. I mean, they blew it up. But then she said, "Listen to this one." They talked about their church. Then someone recommended their own church, but then added this: "There's no big screens, no skinny jeans or fog machines, just spirit-filled praise and worship, and the full gospel preached." I think we're the only church in this area with skinny jeans, big screens fog machines but the difference is the, the gospel is being preached every day this is a spirit filled church and I'm like man you're being hindered because you think the gospel only looks one way you think it should be presented only one way So how do we do this? How do we take that weight off? How do we let go of all that? Verse 2 tells us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. I love the way the Passion paraphrased this. Bring that up. 
we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation on the Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. See, here's what I know. You tell someone, that you, you got someone that comes up to you, hey, man, hey, pastor, I, I want to quit cussing. I'm gonna quit. Well, here's what you do. Just quit, quit thinking about cussing. Quit thinking about it. If that's all you focus on is what you don't want to do, don't want to become, guess what? That's what you're going to do. But if we can focus on Jesus, the one who started this journey, the ones that, one that loved us right where we were, and the one that didn't leave us where we were, but saw us there bleeding and broken and picked us up, wiped the blood off of us, and took us in. I'm telling you, you want this year, I, I want you to look back and be able to say, New year, new me. Not go through all this again with New Year, but same me. Nothing has changed. LeBron James, and I'm not, I'm not a huge LeBron James fan at all. I think he's a great basketball player. I just wish he'd just play basketball and be quiet. Uh, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But a commercial I saw of his the other day, man, it just hit me. He said this. He said, what people see on the court are a result of what people don't see. In other words, they don't see him putting in the time on the basketball court. They don't see him putting in time at the gym. They don't see him watching game footage, trying to figure out what his opponent's going to do. You want this year to be different. What people don't see is what's going to make this different for you. The times that you were presented with an opportunity to say yes to your old life, to say yes to appeal, to say yes to a drink, but you said no, nobody saw it, that's going to make you. Come on. The time you were home alone, and man, you, you, I'm, I'm going to fast. I'm going to, see, we, we've got this fast. And, and you're wanting to fast, but man, but man, that's calling your name. You're like, I, no, that's not what I'm supposed to be eating. And you say, no, maybe nobody saw it. God saw it. And God's going to say, yeah, that's going to make you. It's going to make you. It's what people don't see. It's what people don't see that makes you. Stand with me across this room. How about we quit focusing on all the things we don't want to be, don't want to do. And let's just focus on Jesus. How's that? I want to end like this. I want to sing a song. And I just want us to focus on Jesus. Is that okay? And here's what I'm going to say. The altar's open. You say, I want things to be different. Let it start right here. Nobody begging you, nobody counting a three, nobody telling you to close your eyes, you making a decision. No, I just want Jesus this year. 